0: You're listening to WYDG Gaming Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to AV Underground, the show where we talk about what it's like getting started as a content creator. I am one of your hosts, Josh Needham. I'm here uh, today.
1: Uh, MJ Watson. I was a little distracted and I just realized how disgusting my sock looks. But uh, anyway, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the worst thing to realize. Is you're like, oh, man, this, this should have been in the hamper, not on my feet. But. <laughs> So we're doing a little bit of a change in format this week. Uh, I'm very excited about it. We're going to see how it goes. It's probably going to be a little rocky getting started, but I feel it's uh, for the best. Yeah, Watson and I were talking about changing things up so that when we do interviews with people, we can have kind of a specific segment of the show that's for interview and then a specific segment where we're we're kind of just back and forth about uh, this that whatever. And we'll try and keep it all on topic so uh coming up after our discussion now we'll have an interview with denzel weatherspoon from dental cake llc game development so stay tuned for that because that oh that was it was very exciting i i feel like we had a really good time we all had a real good time and it's uh it was super fun i I like doing that
1: don't want to disparage our other guests because all of our other guests that came on were great as well but i feel this one was if you're really looking for advice, and like really like if you if you're one of those people who really wants to just get straight up advice that's going to work for any situation, I really feel this interview really did that. Really, it, that, it was very strong box. to say
0: the least. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what's been up with uh, with you lately?
1: Uh, you know, I mean, I recently, basically last week, I kind of with I'm trying to think how I got to word this now. Um, I've become more focused on my podcast even though i said i've been saying for weeks now that it's the only thing i've been focused on i've realized in the sense that i'm more focused in the sense that i look kind of what we talked about in the interview really i'm not to spoil it but not to spoil it but organizing and coming up with a plan i realized for the past two months i've been saying yes i'm focused on my podcast but i don't have a plan whereas now i'm taking a lot of time to really plan it out and i'm taking a lot more time to plan it out and i that's kind of like what i'm working on right now is i'm really I'm really trying I'm trying to plan out a specific goal for the end of summer where I want my podcast to be and I'm trying to make it realistic and that's kind of that's kind of the situation I'm in with my content creator world right now Just planning but doing
0: okay uh, I actually wanted to touch a little bit this week on relating things back to your passion um, because I was thinking about it a little bit and the job that I'm like, the internship that I'm working right now Uh, You know, I left my my day job of Dunkin Donuts and I've spent a lot of time thinking uh, ever since I left the factory and got back into college about how everything is kind of interrelated. You know, I went back to college with the explicit intent of making better YouTube content, as I've said before, and I was like, oh, I'll just go back to college and like, I'll do my main core classes and whatnot, but I'll intersperse that with the stuff I'm actually interested in. Yes. And the thing I wasn't anticipating with going back to school was being interested in everything. <laughs> so I found ways to apply my English one Oh one English one Oh two, as well as, um, especially my journalism class, because game journalism, like that was the turning point, I think, for me was that class. But I mean, even the subjects like sociology, statistics and various other things, my brain's just always thinking about how does this tie back into what I'm trying to do? How can I expand my goals and my dreams based on all these things that maybe I didn't think would relate back? Yeah. And lately I've been thinking about jobs and how, you know, depending on what you're doing for a job you can find ways to kind of work it into what you want to be doing, or at least I've been able to, I'm I'm sure there's certain situations. It doesn't work so well. It didn't work so well at the factory. I'll tell you that. Um, But I got to work on a lot of my improv type stuff while I was working at Dunkin Donuts because we used to just harass everyone at the drive through. So, you know, you get someone that pulls up and you're, you know, scripted to say, welcome to Dunkin' Donuts. What can we get for you? And instead, I'm like, you ready to put the smack down on those taste buds, brother? (laughs) You're going to step into the ring with flavor. (laughs) We would just do off the handle type stuff when I was working there. And it was it was one of those things like uh, admittedly, we didn't do that to everyone. Uh, There are certain people that are like regulars, you know, you can you can kind of mess around with a little bit and they appreciate your audience. yeah. And we used to think of it in a way of like we've got these people for five minutes maybe out of their day. And if they can pull into the drive through with a frown and leave laughing, we've done our job. I mean, if they have to have their coffee and stuff too, but like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's part of it. It, but... it was part of that. And I, I really liked, that was one of those things where I really realized I like being an entertainer and I like entertaining people. Yeah. So that even, even a job like Duncan's tied in to what I want to do with my, my actual life. Now, is it something that, you know, there's a certain breaking point, I think with all the jobs that you're going to have where I've done everything that I can, I've pulled everything that I can out of this. And staying here going forward is either just going to help me pay the bills or, you know, I'm not going to get anything really else
1: out of yeah. it. Um, it's, it's funny you say that because like I, I recently just um, I worked at Abishon Hardware, which is like a hard, hardware store, but it's retail. And I worked there for a solid six months and it was the first retail job I ever had. I worked a lot of I worked a lot of childcare jobs and it was the first retail job I ever had. And that was one thing that I realized was I'm like you, I, I really enjoy entertaining. I really enjoy being an entertainer, at least trying my best to be an entertainer. And one thing I learned from that job and like, like you're saying, tied it back into my passion is when people would come to the register, I was very shy. I was like, I was a very shy. Like I was like, I, I don't know what to say to this person other than, Oh, uh, have a good one. Or do you need help with anything? Like I wasn't Letting my personality like get through it all and like that's what my boss came up to me one day He's like he's like you need to be a little bit more personal like find a way to be personal Like in whatever way you got to do it and, and it's always awkward when you start too. yes, it's extremely awkward But like you said tied it back into your passion. What's my passion if anyone obviously if anyone l- listens to podcasts It's sports. It's never like I'm a sports. I want to be a sports broadcaster. I want to work in sports media um, so that's what I always did is I would try my best to find whenever people would come to the register, I would strike up conversations about sports and there'd be the occasion where I'd get the person who <laughs> I'm not trying to make a general assumption about the customers at obviously on hardware, but <laughs> nine times out of 10, I'm usually getting the customer that's like, oh, you don't need sports in your life. What you need is to pick up a hammer and go build something And like that did help. But I, I think that's just <laughs> this
0: part of the country we're in. It's a lot of it. We thrived on factory work for so long. And now all those factories country. are abandoned. And yeah, now <laughs> all those factories are gone. Yeah. Like, they're torn down. They're made into repurposed in office spaces. In and parking lots. Apartments. Yeah. And parking lots. <laughs> so, like... And I understand, like, the idea of hard work, but there's also hard work
1: to be done in what we're doing. Exactly. And, like, that was, like... It was just a thing. Like, I always... I always whenever I got into a good conversation with some whenever I found one of those customers that I, like was a sports fan I could have that conversation with though You they usually didn't leave the store for another 15 minutes because I would really try and get I would try and like, I don't want to sound like this But I would try and argue with them because like that's what makes sports great is you can have arguments and then go on with your day And like that's what I would do is I would really like to try and tie it into my passion I would try and ar- I'd find a topic with a customer I'd argue about it for like 10 15 minutes and then once that customer leaves I put it in my phone and be like okay I want to maybe talk about this in my podcast, or maybe I can think about this a little bit more on my own. And like that was like, like you said, you can't do it with every job, but with every job, I feel there's there's a way that you can find something. You you can find somehow, some way that you can improve your skills on the job while you're working on your dream. I, yeah that sounded still, a lot cooler in my head it's getting a lot closer
0: <laughs> for me now too so like the internship where I'm working doing video editing and I'm not always doing video editing sometimes I'm doing other things and it's not that anything i like I'm not working on massive TV productions or anything it's it's small stuff without getting into like the details and the company and everything else like it's just it's taught me a lot about learning the discipline of like actually spending time using the software Rather than like we discussed with um, with Denzel in our interview coming up about how, you know, at what point do you stop trying to learn and start practicing what you've learned? Because there's a, there's a cutoff point again mm-hmm. where you're okay. Now I'm just wasting time watching videos about how to do this <laughs> rather than actually doing it. Uh, yeah, I Once I actually do the it, highlights. then, then it starts kicking into gear and then it starts actually becoming a thing. And now I'm looking at shifting to working with like television news, which ties right into game journalism. It's not the same stuff. I'm not working on video game related things, but it's going to be a lot of the same, like mental practices that Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to get into. And one of the big things, too, that I wanted to talk about in relation to how, you know, your job comes back and and I'm thinking about it. And the more I think about it, you know, making a shift into television news, it's everyone depends on news. So I'm I'm both nervous and excited. And I think with any change you make, whether you're trying to get into something creative and you're just starting out, you know, starting a YouTube channel or anything, and you're going to have a lot of nerves because people are going to, you know, people can comment on your videos and sometimes they're not always that great. There's there's going to be a lot of nerve, a lot of unsettling, and it's going to be very uncomfortable. And I've started to train myself that if I'm, if I'm comfortable, I'm doing something wrong. I need to push myself to the realm of being uncomfortable and then get that to be my new norm and then push it a little farther. But like there's kind of a quote that everything that you want lies beyond fear. And I, I wanted to bring that up because you and I were talking earlier about kind of our generation and millennials and how a lot of us, you know, a lot of us have anxiety about mm-hmm. this, that and what have you. And how we, we kind of get a bad rap, the millennials mm-hmm. for, an oh, un- there are a bunch of
1: fair rap. I would say. Oh,
0: absolutely. It, Oh, they're just a bunch of special snowflakes. And yeah. Yeah. They're, they're all, they stigma. all eat tie
1: pods. It's like, that, it's, yeah, it's, there's it's, a lot on. of stigma
0: that goes on. Yeah, But I think one of the main things that a handful have learned. And if you, if you're looking to get into content creation, my biggest advice to you is find, you don't want to push yourself to a point where you're like curled up in a corner and shaking because your anxiety is so high, but find a point where you're pushing your, yourself, push that level to where, I'm a little uncomfortable, but I can still get myself to push through this and, you know, keep pushing that boundary and pushing that boundary. And that's how you're going to eventually get better. You know, that's how you're going to get more comfortable working on, you know, content for YouTube or whether it's like interviewing people. I'm going to tell you right now, a year ago, I would not be doing this podcast. (laughs) I, I was not comfortable at all interviewing people. I still barely am. But I have that mindset of like, I'm going to try this. And the worst case is it turns out terribly. Yeah.
1: And it's on to the next one and like it's it's funny that you bring that up because like I was saying earlier Like what I'm doing right now is like just planning, but I'm doing really the reason I'm planning is because You 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 were the one who kind of really motivated me to just like do it and work with what you got from there And just do it because once you once you do it You're in and like that was kind of like what you like what you really motivated me with to do and that's what I did And I'm, I'm not saying that was a bad idea I'm just saying like now Two months later, I'm sticking with it. I'm doing it, and now I need to think about how I actually make it better and planning it out. It does make me uncomfortable because I realize like I've got like I've got to run all possibly I think four or five different social media pages on my own, and I've got to upload, I've got to edit, and like I'm thinking about doing possibly two episodes a week in Evermade Varsity when I move to my studio. Like that's all part of my plan, and like I'm just I'm just uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable right now just talking about that. (laughs) Like just talking about that right now, I am I am freaking out. But like it's. It's so right in the sense that you don't want to get overwhelmed with it because I'm very much a person who can get overwhelmed, but you do need to take one or two things at a time and make yourself uncomfortable like no i don't want to say make yourself uncomfortable but push your i mean that essentially is what it is it is it is essentially what it is
0: don't make yourself so uncomfortable that you're not productive but you need to make yourself somewhat uncomfortable you need to make
1: yourself uncomfortable to be productive you want to work yourself out of it
0: i think one of the most overused lines in commencement speeches for graduation (laughs) is do something every day that scares you now here's the thing with that (sighs) is that When I don't know if it's just me, maybe let me know if you think this too. But when people tell you like, push the boundaries, step out of your comfort zone, do something that scares you. What comes to mind? Skydiving. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the thing that like people talk about, Oh, what are you going to do before you like, if you found out you were terminally ill, I'm going skydiving. Yeah. I don't know why that's such a thing in my head. Like even if I was it's one of those things, like (laughs) it's so counterintuitive to fly in a plane and hurl yourself at the planet from however high up. And but that's not necessarily what they're talking about, you know. When they say do something every day that scares you, they're not like, oh, go out and travel to Uganda and find a way, and then like <laughs> go hurl yourself off a cliff, go base
1: jumping, go parachuting, like exper- whatever it is. It's it's not that try something new every day that will scare you. Try a new experience every day. That try was... something every day that unsettles
0: you a yeah, little bit, exactly, and step out of your comfort zone is really what it's like. The heart of that that I feel hasn't really been communicated is do something on the daily basis that sets you a, you're a little bit, not quite at ease because if you're staying where you're comfortable, you're never leaving Gardner. Yeah. Like, and if you, for me anyway, I, there's plenty of people that make this home. I'm fine with that, but we're for not me, not disparaging it's like, I don't Mass. want. I don't really want comfort in my career. I want something that's going to push me and challenge me and make me better at what I'm doing every single day, yeah. which I think is where I latch on to gaming news because it's changing
1: constantly. Yeah. And like, but like, like what you're, what you're saying is, yes, you need to do something that unsettles you a little bit. But one of the things that I think people, when they hear something like that from a commencement speech, or like what, like even just hearing, if me and you were to go up to some random person in the street, like, hey, do something that's going to unsettle you a little bit every day. Their first thought is, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll work on my, like this is just general example, but I'll use it for me. Maybe I'll record a new episode of Never Made Varsity out of the blue first thing in the morning, or maybe I'll build a brand new podcast from the start. And I feel like when people, people need to get out of their mindset that like, that when someone says you need to be uncomfortable or you need to do something, you need to do 100% of that thing. No, the goal is to eventually get to that 100%, but it's about, building your way up towards that and like that's the thing like like you said like if you're too comfortable you're never going to leave Gardner. if you're uncomfortable you're never going to leave Gardner because you're going to be sitting in a corner holding your legs shaking back and forth saying oh my god look at all this work i created for myself so it's 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 a balance like like most things in life it is a balance
0: i've I've definitely pushed myself to points where i'm just so overwrought with stress that no one even needs to like no one wants to be around i don't want to be around me yeah so, I mean, again, be careful of the point you're pushing yourself to. But I I feel like,
1: you and, know, do push yourself. Yeah. And like like this is just this is kind of more of a personal thing. I, this is like you you do this all on your own. This is this is a decision you make for yourself. But I'm someone who like I have someone I talk to every month or I have someone I talk to. I talk to someone because like it it helps with the stress. It really does. Like and like Denzel brought it up in the interview, like like talking about really, like talking to people can help even if they're not helping you with what you're doing just talking to them and see, like listening to them here and like say some things I mean, it makes you step back a little bit and think okay maybe this isn't as bad as i thought or like maybe it is as bad as i thought and this person told me thank you <laughs> yeah
0: sometimes too um, cuz we we talk about again in the in the interview coming up we do talk about uh, what it's like when you get negative feedback um and for me i feel like one of the biggest turning points for me as far as journalism goes is okay when we started my j1 class we were told of the different types of articles you can do and different types of journalistic stories and one of the big ones that everyone wanted to latch onto was reviews why because reviews are opinions there's not you don't have to worry about facts when like a it's like Reliant K said in one of their songs, opinions are immunity to being told you're wrong. <laughs> and so people latch on to that. And it gets frustrating sometimes. So our paper had a lot of, at the school, had a lot of opinion articles in it, which is not a huge issue. It's just that's what people, you know, grabbed onto. And we went for a review out in New York when we were at a convention. And they had a critic there who reviewed the school paper. Her exact words, when she realized how many op ed pieces we had, was, who the fuck are you that anyone cares about your opinion? <laughs> it's very true. And that like the other two uh, paper employees that I was with that worked for the Mount Observer. Uh, I'm sure they took this well. We were, we were all a little bit taken aback by that. Yeah. But I ended up taking that and trying to put a positive spin on it because sometimes you need that person <laughs> that is going to be very real with you <laughs> in a painful manner. Yeah. You don't need that all the time. But every now and then it's good to have where they just kind of like lay it out there like okay but here's what you're doing let's let's not polish a turd and call it you know chocolate like <laughs> it's, it's, i saw you were struggling for a word there. I, I was i, I don't know i'm trying to come up with phrases off the top of my head but that was honestly one of the most useful things that i had been told uh, one of the more useful pieces of some advice. of the most useful pieces of advice that i've had have been from people who i'm like just let loose on me i need to know mm-hmm. I need to know the hard truth. Don't sugarcoat things for me. I don't need that. You like if I put something out like a video and I'm a little iffy on whether or not it's like high quality or, you know, if it was good or not, I try to show it to as many people as I can and get some feedback. And the least pleasant thing or the least useful thing, I should say, it's, it's always nice when people are like, oh, you did a great job. This is a great thing that you put together. Good. Good on you. That's nice, but it doesn't help me. Yeah. Um, not to say that I don't like compliments, but we had, when we were at PAX East, when we were listening to um, some of the game devs behind Keep Talking No One Explodes, Cuphead, Bendy and the Ink Machine, and there was a freelance game journalist there as well, whose name I forget. But um, one of the things that they had brought up was like when you're going through people who tweet at you, people who comment on your stuff, and they're like, we're looking for people who are constructive in their critiques so you know if somebody's just like this game sucks that doesn't help them like we're looking for the people that are like your game sucks because this is broken this doesn't work right this does this wrong this could have been better and then you can take that and constructively work that into your next product and there's a lot of people like one of the biggest mistakes i think you can make if you're receiving constructive feedback is to just shut down and be like nope okay you know what fine forget
1: it i'm not doing this ever again yeah it's scary though because like even as someone who I'm the same, I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm usually nine times out of 10 when someone tells me like this sucks or you can't do something. I'm more like, well, F you buddy, watch this. But it really is like the first, the first reaction you get whenever you get criticism like that is you want, like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's different. Maybe it's just me, but always my first reaction is, Oh God, just shut down. Just shut down. Just stop. Just stop what you're doing. Like you clearly don't know what you're doing, but like, it's what you have that's like just part of like something you have to fight through because like what you're saying there's so much good information that can come from someone bashing your thing it's so much good that can come from it but you gotta fight through the whole this person is taking something you love and throwing it in a dumpster <laughs> yeah even when it, even when it feels real bad and it's gonna feel real oh, it's bad. gonna if suck
0: you're doing, if you're trying to do anything creative whether it's you know, video creation, podcasting, whatever it is, no two things. One, someone's always going to be pissed off. And two, you're going to suck when you start out. Everyone does. So like if you go into it, knowing those things and knowing you can get better, like I find when people give me criticisms about things that I have done and they're like, you could have done this better. You should have this. You should have that. My thought is not. There are two thoughts I skip thought one, shut down, stop doing it. I'm never doing this again. It was a bad experience. And thought two, I got to go back and fix that. video. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm sorry, but I'm not doing that unless I have a very, very good reason to do so. Yeah. But what I do is I'll try and sit down. If the person's like giving me actual constructive feedback or if it's a comment, I'll just sit down. I'll, I'll do my own deconstruction. But if it's someone face to face that's giving me feedback, I'm like, OK, well, you know, tell me what else you didn't like, what things you think I could do better. And I'll work those in. And if I feel like it's something useful for me, I'm not going to try and take everyone's suggestion and make it happen. That's just unrealistic. Yeah, I can't please all the people all the time. But if I take your criticism and I'm like, okay, this is something that I I actually agree with that. I think that uh, the the lighting and the angle on this particular like video was just absolutely terrible. I need to change that for my next video. I'm not going to stay with it going forward because screw that guy for having an opinion.
1: Like if it's something I agree with and I think that I can benefit from, I'm going to do it. And and it really is important. Like, I don't know. Like I just – My whole thing with the internet is when you're like this, this is an internet because you can get, you can get, like you said, like you can go to some place and have a person tell you face to face, but like when you're doing like what we're doing with podcasts or game, game journalism, you're, most of the stuff is going online. And like, this is all part of my whole general idea, like you're on the internet first off, be aware of the fact that you're on the internet and anyone can say anything to you like that, that. Nothing is off limits. Nothing is out of bounds, like that's the internet, that's how it works. But like it's the same thing that you have to have, it's okay to have the thought of, oh no, I messed up. But then like you said, have that second thought of, okay, but this guy is showing me somewhere, or or girl, guy or girl is showing me somewhere, I can fix this. I can do something to improve it. And like it's just, it really is just having, it is keeping with your mind, it's okay to have a little bit of doubt, it's okay to feel bad about what you're creating. Because it's going to make you better. It should make you better, I should say. It sh- that thought You need should to learn to use it constructively is really the it, thing. It really is.
0: And going back to the analogy where I would said before, like, if you're trying to start doing something, stop planning and just do it because it's easier to steer a car that's in motion. Yeah. In the same analogy, if you're driving down the highway and you're learning to drive and you hit the rumble strip because, you know, maybe you're just not really used to using the car yet. Yeah. And even if someone in the passenger seat, obviously, it's not a best scenario if they're yelling at you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What are you doing? Probably not. uh, My father. (laughs) If you get feedback from from someone in the passenger seat and they're like, hey, you hit the rumble strip, you know, you can correct it and go forward and steer back into your lane and get back going again. Or you can halt the fricking car yeah. on the side of the road In the middle and of the sit highway. there and let someone else take it over and yeah. someone else can do yeah. it. For and him. you'll like never,
1: and you'll never learn anything from that except that you, it's, you it's get one up. of those
0: things like maybe not as I'm hoping not as terrifying as if you're got someone screaming at you on the highway <laughs> and you're just learning. I hope that none of your instructors are like that or, you know, parents depending like yeah. I like to think that I'm pretty, <laughs> I was pretty calm with, uh, with my parents when they were teaching me oh, to drive. But, my parents were assholes. Um, <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Not, were assholes uh, I was <laughs> You know, I'm hoping it's not that terrifying when you're getting out there doing something creative, but, you know, understanding those things and that you can course correct going forward. Don't feel like you owe it to anyone to go back and completely fix previous work. Yeah. Just keep moving forward, making improvements and make it better next time.
1: Well, we we had we were talking about something and I, I forgot it. So we'll keep moving on. But there, there was something I wanted to bring up. It was something important. Maybe it'll we'll come back. Did to it me. have to do with taking criticism? maybe M- maybe i think it was before we were talking about taking criticism okay we got because we were talking about something and then we got off into the whole taking criticism co- topic and that's where yeah well, i had a thought down.
0: maybe we should talk about taking notes during your podcast so you remember what it was you <laughs> want <that way> <laughs> yeah we probably
1: see like well, like that this is see honestly josh that is one thing that i wish i could that that is the one thing i would hire a person i wouldn't hire someone to edit my podcast i wouldn't hire someone to build my website i would love to hire someone to just sit next to me and every time i have a thought and I don't write it down. They write it down. <laughs> like a mental stenographer. Just that's like, honestly, that would be the biggest, biggest thing in my life. If I could just have just someone just constantly like ten feet behind me at all times, and just being like six feet behind me at all times, and being like, oh, he had a thought. Let me write this down and then give it to him like an hour later. That's I'll just really. Cram it up in a ball, throw it at your head. Yeah, it's really, what's really what we need. <laughs>
0: I hate that with – uh. that's one of those things with interviews where you try and go with the flow <sighs> of everything and sometimes you get completely – that's why a lot of journalists I guess will, will write down like key talking points that you want to hit but mm-hmm. you don't get too in-depth with it Yeah, because you might hit one talking point and just – you delve into the depths. It's like a – it's like a Pinterest spiral. I do that. You just delve into one yeah. thing. and
1: I do that with speeches a lot. And like for whatever I have to do with speech, I always am like, I'm just going to write down three of my main topics. I'm going to look at those topics and it's going to trigger in my head. Oh, I know all those topics. So now I can go deeper in those topics because I got reminded of them. But it's like you said, you see the first topic and then you just go, you just dive into the depths of it and then you're lost forever. <laughs> and, you're, and you come back and you're like, right. I had three other things I wanted to talk about. And I've already been up here for 20 minutes.
0: <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> So I mean, trying to keep structure and everything else, and yeah, it's it's yeah.
1: Hard. It's what it's part of it. It's all part of it. It's all like it's it's all part of how you learn to make yourself better. Which I feel like this episode, like. We've we've kind of got into a lot. This might of, be our most rambly episode. Yet. Yeah,
0: yeah, but it's 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 good. It's good. Which is going to tell us one of two things: either it's going to be the least downloaded thing anyone ever <laughs> puts on our podbean, or people are going to oh, cling no. on to that and love oh, it no. with, with the Denzel interview. They, oh, no. oh god, yeah. <laughs> uh They as they always tell us in speech class: like focus on three main topics because that's the most people can really remember. <laughs> yeah. Over the course of a longer speech, it's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> But I found sometimes I've I've watched certain things that were just rapid fire of like 101 random facts about this. And I've actually picked up a lot more than three things from those. Not the full 101 list, of course, but like. Yeah, you know, I'll pick up a good like 20, 30 things.
1: I know what I wanted to talk about. Oh, it, was, it was what you were. It was you when you were br- brought up your whole uh, thing about when you brought the paper and the person criticized your paper. Oh yeah. I I'm not going to say the name of the, f- uh, it, not too famous, but a decently famous sportscaster that I decided to direct mess. I direct messaged a lot of them and none of them got back to me except for this one because I wanted to ask for advice on like like a- advice on. Someone who's starting in this industry on his own, what do you suggest that I focus on? Or what do you su- Like, I remember asking him, like, What do you suggest I should talk about? And then he asked me, He's like, Well, tell me about your sports knowledge. And I was like, uh, I think I know sports pretty well. He's like, Well, you fucking don't. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, really taken aback by that. I was like, uh, uh, What? He's like, You, for all the sports knowledge you think you have, MJ, I'm t- he didn't call me, call me MJ. This is an over direct message, but he was like, I'm paraphrasing here. He was just like, There are 20 people who know 100 times more than you do. <laughs> he's like, He's like, just focus. He's like, he's like, just find what you like, focus and get it. And like, it'll work. It'll all work out. He's like, don't stretch yourself too thin, which is something we spread. But like, it's like one of those things. It's like, when I heard that, it was like someone, not one of my heroes, but someone I follow. And I got really taken aback by that because this guy was basically telling me, I don't know shit. And this is my passion. And like, yeah, (laughs) it's rough too. Like I I understand where
0: you can kind of take that and work with it. Yeah. But it's always really, your instinctual reaction is, you know, defense because it
1: it's human nature.
0: Absolutely, understand that you're going to feel that way. It's going to happen. You're going to get something like that. Like when she first said, "Like who the fuck are you that anyone cares about your opinion?" My first thought was like, "Who the hell are you that who I care about you? yours?" Like, but I didn't bother saying. <laughs> exactly. I, I feel like in hindsight, I probably should have just <laughs> to be humorous. But like, you know, it was. It ended up being something useful that I was able to take and make make something productive out of. Yeah. I, I wrote up an entire sheet that I actually called. Um, I made a document for the newsroom called "Who Are You That Anyone Cares About Your uh, Your Opinion?" Translated through Google Translate from "bitch" to English, <laughs> or something along those lines. I, it was a little bit shorter and more witty. I just don't remember what it was now, but it was like translated from its original "bitch" text <laughs> into productive English,
1: uh, constructive and English. English.
0: So it's yeah that's it's useful but so i think we've actually gabbed on long enough unless yeah. you've got something else to i mean uh, i don't know
1: i felt like we didn't talk i feel like our whole focus this episode was going to be about the new format and i think we spent like two minutes in the new format i got well because we were going to
0: talk about the new format of doing uh, a little bit of us talking and then diving into our interview yeah, yeah, and yeah. being able to focus more on our guests oh are
1: you thinking of like breaking it up is that what you were, like breaking up what we were talking about and then Inter- no, no, I'm, I'm losing it. Go, no, go on, I'm just on. Just, <laughs>
0: just moving the podcast into two segments. So they've got our two listeners years years. have some of us, and then they've got we can focus on the guest. Okay, okay, and so
1: my mind's all over the place right now.
0: That's fine. It's a format we're gonna have to we're gonna have to work on going forward and figure out how we want to continue doing it. So
1: I do, but that be my final, for it. That'll be my fine topic. I think it'll work for the best because as someone who I was, uh, we've been doing this for a few weeks now. So I was, I was just, I was been thinking or sitting around thinking like, okay, what are ways to approve it? And my my original idea was was to do it opposite, was to do, we'll do us, us first talking and then the interview. And then I thought about it and I was like, you know, it's like, this is coming from me. Is like, there's a way that we can get people to, the only way we're going to drive people to the interview is if, maybe we tease it beforehand or we give you, we let you know what's going to be in that interview. Cause I feel like if we just dropped an interview on people in the middle of like for no apparent reason, they're like, sure, they're going to listen to it, but how interested are they going to be? So I feel it's a way for us to keep drive interest towards our interview, more interest towards our interview part of the show, while also still being able to give you the 30 minutes, possibly an hour of me and Josh, like just me and Josh going back and forth about what we're doing with right now.
0: Yeah. Cause otherwise we don't, if we just do a lot of interviews and we don't talk much about what we're doing, then I think we lose a lot of uh, what we end up we starting were, what we started the podcast for in the first place. Yeah, we were
1: going to get burned out with one or the other. So one or the other was going to burn. Something. I feel
0: like this is a really good middle ground combination. For yeah. things and then if there's a week we don't have a guest then hey we don't have a yeah, guest we'll yeah. just we'll talk at you for a whole hour yeah.
1: if any of I've got you plenty of topics trust me yeah. if any of you feel like there's there's something that we will take your constructive criticism if you think there's anything that we can do to improve our format or if you'd like to see us do something different with our format go yeah, ahead just, and suggest it we won't always do it but go ahead and suggest it and we'll maybe, send us an email on we'll we'll toss over to it into uh,
0: the idea pile yeah dude gamers at gmail.com that's y-e-a-h-d-u-d-e gamers at gmail.com you'll find the find the stuff in the link below uh, in the description below but for now we are going to take you to our our first broken episode where we interview dental cake slash Denzel Denzel of dental cake I'm I'm trying to like I'm getting myself confused as I'm trying to intro here it's been a long morning (laughs) of podcasting folks (laughs) it's been a good Saturday morning of podcasting and it's been a great time so I hope you guys enjoy uh, again, if you want to find us on the internet, so you can check out Yadudgamers for all the stuff that
1: I do. Uh, Never made Varsity. Yeah, you can check us out on SoundCloud. Um, also, we'll be moving to Podbean soon, so I pay attention. I pay attention to a Never Made Varsity Podbean. It. I have it. It's a matter of when I'm going to launch it. But yeah, other than that, we're still on SoundCloud. Never Made Varsity. No, no upper cases. Never Made Varsity, and you'll find us there.
0: And so on to the interview. Uh, welcome, everyone, to AV Underground. We're here today with Denzel Weatherspoon, right? Yes, okay, sir. cool. Make sure I pronounce your name right. It's from <laughs> Dental Cake. Is it Dental Cake Studios, or?
2: Um, it's just Dental Cake LLC. Okay.
0: So Dental Cake LLC, yep. game developer. So we want to talk to you a little bit today about uh, what it's like starting out, because we've talked about what it's like starting out on like in YouTube or video game live streams and podcasting, but... Mm-hmm. kind of want to get a take on things from the the indie development game market like so you guys have been working on um obsolete souls yep the game that i got to interview you about last year uh so tell me a little bit about what that's been like in the development process working with
2: the team oh man so uh for starters uh the team is uh almost non-existent it's uh it's all me <laughs> okay all right um but oh man obsolete souls has been uh has been such a development process uh I started it in high school and um it was kind of just something I like did for fun I was just like oh like I'll mess with this engine like see what's going on and then um one of my uh high school teachers was like hey you could make this into like so much more and I was like all right cool and then um going to uh State University I um I just started learning more about like game design here and there and uh There are so many different things that, like, changed with that game. So uh, the development process with it at first, uh, it was very slow. Um, I would just work on it whenever I could, uh, hang out with friends, do whatever, and then I'd be like, hey, I'm not doing anything today. Let me work on it. And then when I got closer to graduation in high school, that's when I started to be like, all right, I should make this into, like, a real game. I should really focus and buckle down on it. So then uh, it started to be just, like, every single day I'd be like, all right, let me put at least like three hours into it. And then I started to like find more of a balance between like work, school and, um, developing obsolete souls. So then I was like, all right, let me put five hours into it. And then summer would come around and I'm like, all right, let me put eight hours into it like every day and just make sure I'm really, really grinding on this game. Um, and then going to college, uh, the, the grind like completely shifted. Um, it was more of uh i would actually focus more on developing obsolete souls than my schoolwork for my first year (laughs) in school (laughs) because i was just like this is what i really care about that was in school for for game design or like getting (laughs) Um, up to that point was it this was uh my first year in college i did at mount wachusett okay and then i transferred over to fsu for game design
0: okay how have you found um the balance. Cause like, I know very much with the stuff that I work on that kind of like you, it's mostly you and you just kind of get into it and do what, uh, do what you do. How have you found that has affected your social life? Do, um, do you have much of a social life as a creator? I guess
2: <laughs> is- um, I, uh, I want to say I do. <laughs> um, so in the period between, uh, high school and going to school, I uh, I did not hang out with, like, anybody for, like, that whole summer. I was like, all right, guys, I really need to focus. And then uh, my friends would just start being like, hey, we could help you with this game. I'm like, but do you know anything? And they're like, dude, we can learn. So then uh, <laughs> they actually would just, like, come over and hang out and try to help me out as much as I can. Uh, I had one of my buddies like hop on level design. Um, some dude was reviewing like the writing that I had for the game, and he's like, All right, we can go over this. We could fix this, this, and this. Um, one of my other buddies, uh, since the start of Obsolete Souls, actually has been making like music and sound effects for it like the whole way through. Um, so I'd hang out with them like the most, uh, and they're kind of like, well, I shouldn't say kind of, but they're my inner circle now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then uh, I'd just branch out in talk to people every now and then uh whenever I could uh but I think this year and last year I got a lot better with like being more social um during like the weekdays I'm like all right let me just look at it as like a job you know and um Monday through Friday I really focus on just like getting everything and as much as I can like done and then on weekends I'll be like all right let me hang out with somebody you know take a day to myself every once in a while
0: yeah yeah so, do you, do you work a part time or full time
2: job as well? Um, this year, no. Um, so, my father was in the military, and um, I get a military benefit from him as long as I'm on the dean's list at the college. So, I'm like, keep my grades up. And then, monthly, I'll get like a small check. And then I just try to work with that. And I'm like, okay. So, now that I get that, you know, I have more time to work on uh, game dev instead of a day job.
1: I don't. I don't want to. Don't want to throw you off what we're talking about. But going back a little bit, you said you just had the like the off comment about like the teacher was the one who kind of inspired you. Said, well, you can take this and make it more. So with game design, was it was it the game like being a gamer itself and the gaming gaming itself that inspired you to do it, or was like the art of it and like the making of it that inspired you to get into the game design?
2: Um, so uh, weirdly enough, uh, I used to just play games like all the time i mean that's like our generation yeah you know? it really, really is yeah. <laughs> um but yeah then one day i was just like uh, i was talking to my buddy i was like people are just making these like all the time like Indie they game gotta game know game how game. to do it yeah i'm like i want to do it and he's like yeah whatever and, and i just started <laughs> like doing it and uh when i was 14 i actually made a uh, a really small like rpg maker game and um i had my friends play when i got to high school and they were like dude this is the worst thing i've ever played and i was like oh all right cool <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, but um <laughs> i mean clearly it didn't deter you enough to give up so that's
2: great <laughs> um it actually did and i was like you know game design is just not for me like that's not my thing but then um my uh speech teacher in high school uh he was like hey you can't just like stop because some people didn't like it like that's uh that's the beauty in starting up you know so uh, he talked me to getting back into it. Mm-hmm.
0: How have you found um, – because I know at least when I was going to the Mount for video production, I run into a lot of people, whether they're video students or not, that as soon as I'm like, hey, I want to get into game journalism. I want to make video game-related YouTube content. And everyone wants to get on board with that because it sounds like a lot of fun. Yep. But a lot of people that you try and get on board because it sounds like it's great fun either don't put in the work or don't want to put in the work. Do you find the same thing like are people always like, hey, I want to help work on a game, but I'm not really going to work on it. I'm just going to like you can work on it. I just want to be on it like on the project. <laughs> you
2: have no idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> OK, so it's not it's not like it's something
2: exclusive to our end of uh, the creative process. Nope. Yeah, yeah, no. no. Uh, I actually uh, I used to live with a lot of film majors last year and uh, we would say we have such like a similar like uh, workflow, like all the time and just like uh, a lot of the same principles still apply. Um, So yeah, there's always going to be those people who are like, wow, making a game, I want to be in this, or I really want to do this, and then it's like, all right, I need you to do this, this, and this, and they're like, "Dude, why?" It's like, <laughs>
0: "What you need me to do actual work?" Yeah, it's uh, like, man. <laughs> I'm lucky enough that I found a few people. I'm assuming, kind of like your inner circle, like you found the few people that are willing to work and yep. are willing to put the time and the like the effort into it. So now I've got kind of my small group uh, of there people that'll actually like work with you on stuff. But
1: but going off of that, I'm someone like I'm I'm only been podcasting for about three months now. Okay, and so I'm doing it all by myself. Right now, myself, I have ideas. To bring other people in, but as someone who does it by yourself, how do you keep yourself keep yourself motivated without others around you constantly? Well, when lose you said earlier, kind of like lost that team. Mm-hmm. How do you keep yourself now having that team and now not having it to stay motivated on what you want to do with your task?
2: Um, it's uh, it's strange because um, I uh, I'm a really big picture kind of guy, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, I, I really just want to have like a list of games and I'm like, all right, these are all my IPs and I just want to push them out. And I just want people to like have fun. Like I'm I'm really passionate about this. Uh and yeah, I I set up a game plan until 2020. And then next year I'll probably set up a game plan to 2025 of just games that I want to release or uh start with. And um as I'm working on these things, I just try to talk to my friends in my inner circle and the more excited they'll get about something i'm talking about the more excited i get about it so then we'll just like go back and forth with that and then um, i'm always trying to just like bring up like what i'm doing with them and um i have uh dental cake things going on social media of course but um even there i don't share as much with people on the internet that i do with friends in my inner circle so um I'll just be talking with them about stuff all the time. I'll be like, hey, I'm thinking of like uh, doing a small rehaul on Obsolete Souls for like this stage or maybe we should make this character do this and they'll be like, oh yeah, or maybe this character could d- just do this. And then we just get like so excited and- um, So the, the collaboration,
1: even though it's not necessarily mm-hmm. like they're collaborating with you, but you collaborating your ideas.
2: Yeah, yeah, just just the ideas and just like keeping it in everybody's head, yeah. you know? Uh, I, think, I think that's definitely uh, what keeps me motivated.
0: How do you find the struggle of uh, like, I don't know if it's a struggle for you. It's been a struggle for me of when you're working either by yourself or with a small team on creative projects from looking at some of the stuff that bigger studios do like AAA studios that have the manpower, they have the like funding, they have the tech to put these projects together in such a short time uh, as someone who plans like how how do you keep a realistic goal and realistic mindset for your projects?
2: It's um that's a good question. Uh, it's hard. Uh, especially seeing other indie devs uh, drop these like really big games especially if they're close to uh, something along the lines of uh, my vision for a game um, but you you just have to take a step back every now and then and uh, you have to really just like evaluate your project uh, be aware of your skills what you can do uh, if you have to hire anybody uh, make sure you're like budgeting well and um, I mean yeah uh i i also just like turn to my friends even with stuff like that i'll be like hey i'm seeing this i think i could do this uh do you think it's a good idea do you think i should go forward with it or what's going on you know i uh as much as i've done by myself with this first big project uh if there's anything i've learned it's like you need to be communicating with people because like uh, i'll get wrapped up in my own head all the time Uh, i really like doing sprite art um, and I'll see like other indie games come out and the sprite art looks amazing. And I'm like, whoa, I need to just get to spriting right now. And I need to change this and this needs to look like this. And then I'm like, wait a minute. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, I need to just focus on what I can do and what I am doing, you know, uh, especially cause the project is like so far along at this point. Um, so for obsolete souls, it's coming out this fall. So anything that I see that's too crazy, it's like, you know, push that onto, like, a different game. Um, And even with Wonder Spectrum, uh, so much of the core game uh, was already, like, made last year. So even when I'm seeing other things that I want to do, I might not even push that onto Wonder Spectrum, but the game after that.
0: Okay. And I know you said when we talked about Obsolete Souls that it was done... In RPG Maker. Yep. And I know there's a really good chunk of indie de- uh, indie game devs now that are using RPG Maker and doing a fantastic job with, you know, getting everything together. Much more so than I would have ever thought as someone who, like, I started with RPG Maker 2003 just for fun when I was in high school. There you go. <laughs> and I never got into doing, like, sprite art. I never got into doing custom stuff. So I didn't know how much could really be done with the, pro- with the platform. Mm-hmm. But now uh, you had talked a little bit about what's going forward. Are you going to be working more with like Unity and um, Unreal Engine type stuff? Or are you looking to stick with the kind of RPG Maker
2: format? So um, I don't know if I'll ever come back to RPG Maker. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, but uh, at Fitchburg State, we've worked in Unity for so many projects. I, uh, I feel like I know it pretty well. And uh, for the next two games i'm going unity um but i do like unreal a lot when it comes to 3d games unreal just makes things look so beautiful (laughs) um so i want to hop to unreal for i want to say around 2020 there's this game idea that we have uh called swords and sandals and we want it to be like a 3d arena brawler um that would definitely be the time where I'd be like, all right, time to use Unreal. But the main focus for now would be to uh, start building things in Unity. This is uh, kind of just going off what you just said.
1: Was the swords and sandals, did you happen to get inspiration at all from it, from anything specific?
2: Um, Yeah, I was in uh, this uh, art appreciation course, and we were just going over a lot of Western art um, from, like, the Renaissance and stuff. And I was like, wow, this stuff looks really cool. And then uh, we were going over a lot of, like, sculptures by... um, uh, Donatello yeah, and I was like imagine if there was a game where like you're getting all hit and then you're like turning to stone and then you're like breaking out of it and um I just started getting all these ideas in class I completely stopped paying attention to the lecture <laughs> and I just started writing down like every idea I had and I was like all right That's you cool. know what I don't know where I want to take this as of now but I'll definitely save it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just think like the whole, the whole swords and sandals, like it's a, it's an idea that's kind of like, I don't know how to really word it, but there's, there are other games I played in the past, like computer games I played, they were called Mm -hmm. swords and sandals, but like that art style and like that whole, that whole genre, I feel isn't, not genre, that whole time period isn't really Mm -hmm. used in gaming. And I feel like you saying that instantly was like, oh wow, someone, someone here does see the inspiration for it, yeah does see see where it can be used. So I just thought I just wanted to expatulate on that.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Uh, I think another big question I have, too, is uh, as a student and a creator, at what point do you balance like, okay, I'm going to spend because I find that I used to get lost a lot in, I guess, trying to learn things without actually practicing those things. So I'd spend a lot of time watching videos for like editing in premiere or doing effects and after effects or, you know, cleaning up audio, stuff like that. I'd watch a lot of stuff on it and consume a lot, try to learn a lot. But I found that, you know, practice is obviously better than just learning it practical application like at what point do you balance how much do you try and learn something like uh with unity obviously that's kind of tied into your schoolwork. Mm -hmm. but at what point are you like okay i i sat through learning a lot of this stuff i need to actually use it now and
2: then i can learn as i'm using yeah um so since my time uh being a game design student at fitchburg state uh every assignment i'm like okay if i try 100 in 10% on every assignment, because we're using these programs all the time, then I'm going to get better, you know? I'm going to learn the program well. Um, so it's more of a focus on do I have potential for this in the future or somewhere down the line in my game design career? And the answer is always yes. Um, it does get hard uh, later in your like school years Uh, Because the work becomes more intensive, you know, Um, but always, always, always got to give it your best because you just never know. Um, The one thing I have struggled with, though, um, I like to classify myself as a game artist. Uh, I like working in 2D a lot, um, but I can do 3D pretty well. But with working in so many different assignments and different projects, I'll be like, wow, now I really want to do this. But... That's not my lane, you know, and I'm like, oh, but now I really want to do this. And, um, for example, I'm in this concept art class and, uh, we're always drawing, I'm learning all these new drawing techniques and I'm like, wow, I had no idea I could actually make like artwork that looks as good. (laughs) Um, and now I'm like, oh, I just want to do art. But I'm like, wait a minute. No,
0: (laughs) actually, that's kind of an aside to that. Um, as someone who's spent a lot of time working alone and kind of now working with a a small group, Mm -hmm. At what point do you decide, okay, I should probably hire someone to do this thing because either you have not the time or resources or maybe Mm -hmm. the skill set to do that specific thing? Like at what point do you – okay, rather than trying to push myself to do something that I probably just – I'm not going to do great. I could do okay at. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to find someone who excels at that and I'll pull them on and just let them run with it.
2: So with, uh, with Obsolete Souls, I've been experiencing that a lot. Uh, Cause I've I've just been doing so much of it like on my own and I'm just like okay like uh, I want to do this I want to do this I want to do this, um, so a great example is uh, I wanted to have cutscenes in the game and I'm like okay let me get some like uh, let me work in animation for a little bit and see what I could do um, and then I started just working with like Macromedia but it's it's older software and I'm just like okay so uh, this takes a really long time and I'm like. I need to keep working on this game with things that I know how to do and uh, I because you don't have time to just teach yourself all of these things right Uh, so I was like okay let me get an animation team and then when it came to concept art um, yes I'm learning art techniques and I feel like I'm getting to a decent level but it's like I don't have the time you know and then I'll look to other people who are working with me on these games. And if they're like, hey, I don't have the time either. Uh, you know, you just want to go through your resources first. And then when everyone is like, hey, like, we can't do this. And it's like, okay, maybe now I should look into like hiring somebody or uh, finding a freelancer to just hop on this project for a little bit. Sweet.
0: Uh, what advice would you give people who are maybe looking to get into? Because I know there's a lot of pressure too. Like I said, with uh, with indie devs dropping such huge games, here and there Mm -hmm. uh with the pressure of AAA titles and everything else uh at least in my ass my thoughts of uh if i was going to get into game design is that there's a lot of pressure like by the time i get proficient with one thing it's going to be completely uh obsolete basically (laughs) oh no (laughs) 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 but i don't want to like Anyone that's thinking, "Oh, maybe I'll get into game design, but you know, I don't know if I want to start working with Unity because I feel like by the time I get into something with Unity, I'm like it's not going to be the thing anymore."
2: No way, no way. You have your whole life to do whatever you want to do. If you want to get into game design, take the steps. Don't be scared. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how young you are. Just you just have to do it, you know? Like with uh with with learning anything, anything that you want to be really good at. You, you have to take the time. And if someone wants to get into game design, but they're scared, like, uh, for example, like, hey, maybe this software is going to be outdated. It's like, dude, Obsolete Souls isn't an older RPG maker. Uh, now RPG maker MV is like the wave. And that's that's like the new thing. When, um, you know, you can still make like a great product out of like anything. And I feel like... Uh, a big thing in game design now is people are showing that uh the heart of like games is always in the gameplay um of course some people are like hey it's in the storytelling um but there are so many different elements to a game where as long as you make sure that is like good and the core of the game is good people aren't going to care like what it was made in or how outdated it looks now we have all these games like uh, look at Undertale.
0: I was just gonna say Undertale. <laughs> yeah. It's
2: an absolute masterpiece
0: it. both in storytelling and gameplay done by essentially just Toby Fox with like a little outside help, I think, but mm. for the most part that was, you know, a one person project. And that was so well received. Yeah, yeah. It's still well received. Like it came out twenty fifteen, here we are three years later. Comes out on PS4 and I'm still playing it.
2: Like Yeah. And you look at the graphics for that and like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, anyone that wants to get into game design, you just have to you just have to do it, you know, and um you you can look at all these things. Especially Unity is like really good with um little tutorials and people just like helping each other online and all these forums and stuff. Uh, I think Unity is the most. I don't want to say friendly, but starting out with a game engine and getting into games, I think Unity does a really good job of helping someone understand like the basis of game design.
0: Um, so if people wanted to look you up and find like the projects you're working on, where where
2: would we uh, send them to? You could go to DentalCake.com. Uh, D-E-N-N-E-L-C-A-K-E.com. DentalCake. Um, and you could also find us on Facebook and Twitter.
0: And I'll drop links to that down below in the description
1: as well. Uh, do you have any other thoughts before, uh, we, no, no, before we wrap? I just thought it was a great interview. It was very I thought it was very informative because... Well, you spot, you you know, you're obviously only talking about game design, but I Mm -hmm. thought a lot of the advice you gave is like, it it really, like I resonated with it. It's very universal. Yes. Like I resonated. I was like, I was like, even though I'm just working on a sports podcast right now, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Like, that's exactly what I need to do. So I don't know. I just
2: thought, I felt felt it was a very good interview. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for being on
0: the show. We appreciate having you. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, If you guys want to check them out, I'll put the stuff in the description below. Give it a look. Obsolete Souls, you said coming later on this year?
2: Yeah, this fall. Everybody look forward to it. It's awesome. also a trailer coming on its way. Oh, man. I'm going to be all over that.
0: I hope <laughs> you know. As soon as that comes out,
2: I'm I'm on it. Awesome. But
0: thank you again for coming out. Yep, yep. And uh, we'll catch you guys again next week. Thanks for listening. See ya. AV Underground is a production of YDG Studios. To find out more about our guest this week, check the links in the description. Do you have questions about getting started as a content creator that you'd like us to address in a future episode? send us an email at yadudgamers@gmail.com at gmail.com with the subject line, Ask AV Underground, and we just might include your question in an upcoming episode. AV Underground is hosted by MJ Watson and Josh Needham, and is produced by Josh Needham.